0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us as we kick off a new week in this last week of September already. Hope you had a good weekend. And here's what we're going to talk about on the show today we will get the latest on the weather for the week ahead. Who's going to be able to stay in the fields and who may get delayed? We're going to talk with the escalating uh, situation with China, more tariffs back and forth. We'll talk with Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President of the U.S.-China Business Council. And we'll talk trade overall, the latest on NAFTA, as well as China with Dave Salmanson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's coming up a little bit later on in the program. No shortage of news. a lot of these stories just carry over week to week but we're getting closer to some deadlines including with the farm bill, although that's kind of a, a still a bit of a moving target. Let's talk about it with Phil Brasher with Agripulse Communications Phil. Thanks for joining us yep. and uh, uh, stop me if I've said this before but another critical week for the <laughs> farm bill.
2: Yes uh, yes it is uh, September 3rd next Sunday. Uh, actually is when the uh, current uh, farm bill, the, the 2014 farm bill, expires. Um, so a lot of programs, uh, either their authority expires, and in some cases their funding uh, runs out.
1: Now, we keep hearing, you know, September 30th is not necessarily a hard deadline. End of the year is the really hard deadline, but... Uh, if the farm bill does expire at the end of the month, there are some programs that would be impacted, right?
2: There are, uh, particularly some smaller programs that um, uh, just they don't have any they don't have any funding because of the way the, the budget rules work and the way the uh, 2014 bill was set up. Uh, I, the ones we're hearing the most about are uh, t- uh, three actually uh, small trade uh, development programs. Uh, one of them is used by fruit and vegetable uh, growers um, to uh, for projects uh, to try to remove trade barriers overseas. There's another one that um, funds uh, office and staff for commodity groups uh, and their their trade off overseas trade offices. And I think the the small groups are the ones that are the, the, the most concerned about losing that funding for uh, any long period of time. <laughs>
1: So, as you know, Phil, last week I talked with uh, Colin Peterson, ranking member of the House Ag Committee, one of the big four, along with uh, Chairman Conaway and, on the Senate side, Chairman Roberts and ranking member Stabenow. And I thought, uh, and you and I have talked about this back and forth, emailing each other, uh, that the Colin Peterson sounded very upbeat, very optimistic about progress being made on the Farm Bill. But that doesn't mean there aren't still significant roadblocks, even within that big four,
2: Yes, and we still there's no word of it that uh, Senator Stabenow, uh, Debbie Stabenow, the uh, top Democrat on the Senate Agriculture Committee, that holds the key to getting a, a farm bill through the Senate. There's no um, sign that she has agreed to a deal on uh, on food stamps or some of the other major issues. Uh, one thing it's worth pointing out, though, and it looks like the House may be out of session. Uh, after this week, uh, possibly until the election, that uh, they do have they do have to get a lot of work done, even if they're going to get this done in December. Uh, the election is going to take up a lot of time, so there's there's still deals that need to be nailed down and a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, but, uh, boy, it's looking more and more like this is going to be a December farm bill if it gets done this year.
1: Do you get any sense... With Senator Stabenow's opposition, kind of seemingly holding things up right now, uh, is is that an indication of a bigger issue? Uh, is that something coming down from the Democratic leadership to her that they don't want to move this now, or or uh, is it something other than that?
2: Well, here's the, here's the uh, here's here's the big practical and the big political issue. Right now, all of the polls showing that uh, Democrats are going to uh, have a very good chance of taking control of the House and a uh, better chance than we thought a few weeks ago of potentially taking control of the Senate. So that puts uh, Senator Stabenow really and Democratic leadership in the Senate uh, in the driver's seat uh, because the uh, if, if, they, if they believe they're going to take control of the uh house and possibly the senate uh, regardless of whether there's a farm bill right now uh that there's uh not a lot of incentive incentive for them to cut a deal
1: yeah that's kind of what i was thinking i mean they may not be in any hurry if they think they're going to be in control if they just wait till after the elections meanwhile phil they've also got the core spending bills to work on as well
2: right they they do we have the senate um Last week passed a uh, continuing resolution that's a uh, stopgap spending bill uh, that runs until December the 7th uh, for for the agencies and departments that uh, don't have their funding bills yet. Uh, President Trump actually signed uh, uh, a package of uh, spending appropriations, fiscal 2019 uh, spending bills into law on Friday. That included the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, there's another package attached to this uh, continuing resolution for several departments. Uh, and uh, there's several others that are close to the finish line, but uh, a good chance they won't be done this week.
1: You know, I just – it always – and this happens a lot, but for the House to say they're not going to be in session next week, with all this that needs to be done, I, I, you would think that – Feel the need to stay there and get these things finished.
2: Uh, yeah, but they're also they're also we're very the Republican leadership is very worried about uh, uh, trying to keep control of the House, and their members want to get home and campaign. And they make the calculation that uh, it's more important to get home and campaign than it is to stay here and uh, and get these bills finished. They. That's a, p- a clear political calculation.
3: Yeah,
1: it's almost like let's go let's go home and campaign on we're trying, but the other side's holding us up rather than actually stay there getting something done. And I would think that would be better to go back and say, look, we actually accomplished something, but that doesn't seem to be the strategy.
2: <laughs> it hasn't been the strategy for quite some time. Uh, uh, it uh, generally seems to work, so they keep doing it.
1: Well, we'll see how this plays out, uh, but... Uh, Right now, and I guess they don't want to talk about farm bill extension because that kind of that that's already kind of saying, well, that takes the pressure off getting it done now. We're already looking next year, so they probably won't talk much about that, right?
2: No, no, it's a fait accompli. As soon as you say that, Uh, especially talk about an extension, they still very much uh, want to get this in December. I mean, think about if you're if you're Chairman Conaway, Mike Conaway, Chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, um, you fear you're going to lose the chairmanship in the next session. Uh, I would think you'd want to salvage whatever you could in mm-hmm. December uh, rather than, uh, than risk uh, the, the, the new bill being written by a, a much different committee and a much yeah. different house.
1: Well, wow, A lot on the line. We'll see what happens as always, Phil. Thank you. And we'll stay in touch.
2: Yep. Glad to be here.
1: Thanks. Th- thanks, Phil. Phil, brasher with agripulse communications so there's uh, boy the the farm bill resolution is very elusive it doesn't look like um, Senator senator is in any hurry to move this along so we're kind of back at a stalemate well what about the weather a lot of harvesting getting done but there could be some delays this week let's talk about it with dtm meteorologist bryce anderson next on aoa adams on agriculture
0: Powerful threat Calls for a greater response When there's a battle Bring strength When there's a problem Seek answers When there is doubt Give hope Not tomorrow Not in a few years
4: but right now
1: some battles must be faced together the cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day and you can be part of this battle too visit standuptocancer.org to learn more
0: together we can save lives
1: some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic safe
6: Information
3: America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: All right, let's check the uh, forecast for the week ahead. Who gets uh, rain delayed? Who continues in the fields? DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson with us. Bryce, we do have some rain in parts of the country for this week ahead, don't we?
7: Yes, we do, Mike. Uh, Right now the Ohio Valley is getting some pretty heavy rain, and uh, there will be some flash flooding in that part of the country. Uh, So that's the uh, section of the Midwest that's going to probably see the heaviest rain during the next couple, three days. Other areas are going to be a little bit drier, and uh, there may be some progress uh, in that northern Corn Belt um, in spite of some of the heavy rain that they had last week, although I, I think that it still is going to be very difficult in that uh, part of the country. Uh, out here in uh, Nebraska, uh, we had some harvests that went on over the weekend, and uh, I know that in central Illinois that uh, they've been um, mm-hmm. working very hard uh, with uh, good uh, good harvest conditions. Uh, a lot of crops have already been uh, taken out of the field, so they've gotten along quite well. Um, so that's uh, kind of the way things are shaping up this week. The southeastern Midwest will have the Biggest round of delays over
2: the next couple days,
1: anyway. Yeah, we've had a good run here in in West Central and Central Illinois. And over the weekend, I drove to uh, Columbus, Ohio, and going there and back, they've not done nearly as much uh, in Indiana and Ohio as we've done here in Illinois.
7: No, uh, Illinois has gotten along very well. Uh, So they're going to uh, have maybe a few showers this week that might interrupt things a little bit, but. By and large, uh, if uh, one wants to have uh, favorable harvest conditions, uh, you have to look to central Illinois. Uh, I know that uh, there's been a lot of progress in Missouri on corn, but that's because uh, the harvest was going on with a short crop after the hot and dry summer. So you kind of have to temper that assessment a little bit there.
1: Well, we look at the calendar and all of a sudden it's the last week of September. Are we Are going to start seeing some uh, big temperature changes?
7: Well, there's going to be um, a, a continued round of variability uh, north to south, and I think that's a big feature, uh, especially over the uh, areas of the country in in terms of crop production for the Midwest that had the heavy rains last week. And uh, I'm leading up to all that uh, because I, I think it's a real important feature. Uh, the forecast pattern still has a a pretty hot ridge of upper level high pressure over the southeastern part of the country during the six to ten day time period Mike and uh, centered you know in that Tennessee Valley area the mid-south and in in contrast it is turning colder in the Canadian prairies and in the northern plains uh, so there's uh, going to be some some uh, frost problems come in and and, you know, periodic uh, interruptions uh, because of light rain and snow in the northern areas. But during the next uh, week to 10 days, there will again be this uh, very strong temperature gradient uh, that focuses in that northern Iowa, southern Minnesota, western Wisconsin area uh, that uh, got the very heavy rain last week. And I think that there could be another round of similar type uh, rainfall developed over the 10-day uh, time period, and, and that is uh, a real concern to me because we know that uh, that section of the country already uh, has, uh, has had uh, very heavy rainfall, I mean, up to, what, 8 inches or even greater than that during the past week, along with severe weather, and I think they, get, they could be in line for a similar type of uh, happening during the next uh, week to 10 days if this pattern indeed shapes up the way it certainly could potentially. There's going to be a, a real, uh, a, a real uh, chance uh, for that type of uh, rainfall to develop.
1: So some real harvest challenges for those folks. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, any big storms brewing anywhere that we should be aware of?
7: Uh, not uh, right now in the tropics, fortunately. There is a tropical storm called Kirk that is way out in the Atlantic. Uh, it's It still is in the eastern Atlantic, and it doesn't show any uh, real track of, uh, you know, getting uh, farther toward the uh, mainland U.S., uh, and that's, of course, a, a real favorable development. I mean, we know that the southeast, uh, especially the Carolinas, are still uh, coping with uh, the tremendous flooding that they had from Hurricane Florence and so uh we we really don't need to have uh another tropical event uh probably the rest of this season. If we could get away from that that would be fine, I think, with everybody. Um the uh the scenario is uh is going to be one more with the atmospheric dynamics and, and that uh is uh, still something that is uh, going to uh, cause some issues, obviously, in the interior. And then over the western U.S., uh, it just stays very, very dry. Uh, it, it really is something how the pattern this year has uh, that uh, persistent dryness pretty much west of the Rockies, whereas east of the Rockies, uh, we've seen uh, the rainfall develop either through the uh, dynamics of the atmosphere or with the uh, tropical systems.
1: All right, what about around the world? What are some, uh, some of those key uh, ag-producing areas? Uh, what kind of weather are they dealing with?
7: Brazil has got a few more showers for Mato Grosso this week, and I know that they've been making progress on soybean planting, and I think they will continue to do so. Now, it did get hot in southern Mato Grosso during the weekend. They got up to uh, over 100, but we know that Mato Grosso is a big state, and uh, so there uh, will be uh, showers over quite a bit of that part of brazil so i think that the, in general it still is going to be a pretty favorable uh... scenario for planting soybeans uh... southern brazil will see some uh... heavier rainfall and they could actually get interrupted because of uh, the rainfall this week i mean we're talking about uh, three to four inch rains in southern brazil and then in australia it just is flat out dry Uh, They're not even going to get a half an inch of rain over the next week. We know that Australia has been dry already. And after the um, hard freeze that Western Australia had during last weekend, uh, that wheat crop is getting whittled away and uh, is now uh, going to have to, I think, definitely be uh, ruled uh, or looked at in a lower total by USDA and some of these later supply-demand reports, because uh, the strong likelihood is that that wheat crop in Australia is going to be less than 20 million metric tons, and that's a notable reduction from where USDA has things right now.
1: We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, back here in the U.S., uh, what, what's your forecast for October? How does October shape up?
7: I think October is generally going to be on the warm side on temperatures. Uh, the the uh, uh, scenario is still going to be a little bit on the cooler side in the northern areas. And then as far as uh, moisture is concerned, I don't think that we're going to have a, a whole lot of precip during the month, again, except over the uh, northern part of the Midwest where there's, a, uh, where there's a temperature boundary that gets in the way. But uh, October, I, I think, is going to be a, a pretty good month uh, overall. Uh, there may be a little bit of an increase on uh, the precip side over the southern tier of states, uh, with the uh, Pacific still moving in uh, at least a weak El Nino direction, and that may lead to uh, some more moisture over, uh, the, like I say, the southern tier, Texas, into the Gulf Coast and the southeast. And I don't think that that will be unwelcome. It does not appear that uh, that rain would happen in uh, the form of any real uh, uh, inundating type uh, event uh, happening all at once. And so that's the way things are looking as far as the precip goes for the month of October.
1: What's your winter forecast? going to be a hard one or not?
7: I think that right now uh, the likelihood is the winter is going to be a little bit warmer than normal uh, with the uh, temperature pattern. El Nino is going to be a factor, but uh, when you look at uh, what El Nino has been, has done on on, uh, temperatures in some previous uh, events and then just factor in the general trend that we've seen. I think that we're going to have a warmer winter uh, than normal and uh, the uh, precipitation is still likely to be over the southern states and that would be in line with a typical El Nino development.
1: All right, Bryce. Well, it didn't seem like we ought to be talking winter forecast yet, but uh, it's not that far away. Thanks for the update. Always good to talk with you.
7: Thanks a lot, Mike.
1: Have a good one. You too. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with the senior vice president of the U.S.-China Business Council. The uh, trade tensions between the U.S. and China continue to escalate. Uh, Chinese retaliatory tariffs on a number of U.S. ag goods take effect today, and uh, China hitting another $60 billion of American goods with duties. That brings the total value of uh, uh, goods facing tariffs to $113 billion. Of course, President Trump last week put uh, taxes on $200 billion in Chinese imports, also effective today. That increases the total value of targeted goods from $53 billion all the way up to $253 billion. So uh, it's escalating, not pulling back, and also it sounds like uh, some... Uh, Talks that uh, had hoped would be scheduled now are not. So that's kind of being uh, put on hold as well. We'll get an assessment of all that from Aaron Innes, Senior Vice President of the U.S. China Business Council, coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
3: Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home visit fs for more information
5: it only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes and you can do it at do but you're probably not going to are you kids work listening to the radio you're busy which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes oh my i read that wrong <laughs> they can
4: should have worn my
5: glasses So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test, because pre-diabetes can be reversed.
4: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
3: Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A Monday mix for the grain and oil seed sector. Corn and wheat futures trending higher. Soybeans a bit defensive. Stocks slipping on Monday as tensions over tariffs remain Front and center, major indexes began the week on a downbeat after China pulled out of trade talks with the U.S., suggesting a resolution to the trade conflict could be a ways off. December corn extended higher on Friday, extending higher in Monday's trade. We faced 20-day moving average resistance at 358. We've poked above it to 360 a bushel. That's going to be a critical test for the corn bulls this week. Gains through that level could give bulls the green light to probe to the top side. A bullish target for December corn lies at 369 to 369 and three quarters. Chicago wheat trending six to seven and a half cents higher. The next bullish target for December Chicago wheat lies at 532 and three quarters. That'd be the September 11th swing high. Kansas City wheat six to seven better and three to four higher in Minneapolis. U.S. regulators went ahead with a planned 10% tax on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports on Monday. China's State Council accusing the Trump administration of being a trade bully. Brazilian farmers, meanwhile, have begun planting soybeans for the 2018 19 season, according to agricultural consultancy Ag Rural. For livestock at the Merck and Live Cattle Futures, we're trending 45 to 75 cents lower, 60 to $1.17 lower in feeder cattle. Lean hog futures, a dime to 30 cents higher. On Wall Street, the Dow down 122, S&P down 10. Crude Oil up $1.28. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car?
5: Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit. Low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H told us great company got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. One hundred percent worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11 dot com right now. That's www dot dot com. Auto financing the easy way. 11 dot com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way
0: information farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on agriculture
3: now back to mike adams
1: trade tensions with china showed no signs of letting up as more tariffs take effect on both sides starting today we talk about it now with aaron ennis senior vice president u.s china business council aaron thank you again for joining us uh, is there anything positive behind the the headlines that we're not hearing or seeing or is it as bad as it sounds like
4: (laughs) well that's a loaded question mike um let's put it this way um it could be worse Um, unfortunately for agriculture i think probably it's as bad as it can get at this point but of the small signs that might give some hope um, china's retaliation against the u.s tariffs could have been much larger they initially proposed that they were going to put tariffs ranging from 5% to 25% on $60 billion worth of uh, products, and it was in four different tiers. And then when they announced their final list, it was two tiers of only 5% or 10%. So they could have gone all the way to 25% on all of the products um, immediately if they wanted to. But we view it as a very small glimmer. But they are not trying to escalate rapidly and that they do have a strong interest in trying to come to resolution.
1: We hear, though, that uh, talks are not on the schedule, that, uh, that there have been some hope that they were going to get together and do some talking, but uh, nothing on the table as of now? Is that what you're hearing?
4: It is. So they never, neither side actually had fully agreed to what the agenda was going to be, who would be coming, and when that would happen. But the U.S. did propose about two weeks ago for China to come back to the United States at a high level. The Chinese were considering it, but as soon as the administration announced that it was moving forward with this list of tariffs on $200 billion worth of imports, the Chinese began messaging about the fact that the, the optics of coming to the US and negotiating immediately after the United States had escalated the trade tensions just didn't make sense at the time. Our hope is that some reason and, and cool heads will prevail here and that this is, that there's no talks this week, but that hopefully in the coming weeks the two sides will be willing to talk down about to sit down and start talking about what needs to be done to de-escalate.
1: We're talking with Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President of the U.S.-China Business Council. Yeah, you get that escalate versus de-escalate, Aaron, It seems like once you get into these things, they're more apt to escalate, and that seems to be where we're at right now.
4: Yeah, I fully agree with you, and particularly on some of the product categories where you're seeing the tariffs being put in place in the U.S., and then kind of some industry using that then as a reason to – Um, increase what their production is in the u.s. that suggests that it's going to be a lot harder to get some of these tariffs taken off because there's industries that are becoming competitive against uh, categories of imports thanks to a 25 percent tariff and they're going to be reluctant to to get rid of that our hope is that, again, the reason will prevail, that people will kind of wait this out, see if some negotiations can address these underlying concerns about intellectual property rights and technology transfer that are driving at least this part of the battle between the two governments. Um, but it's, that's going to be dependent upon how long this goes on.
1: We hear stories about Chinese products still finding their way into the U.S. and getting around the tariffs. Is that very widespread?
4: don't know that it's widespread i would say at this point probably there are a variety of exporters trying a variety of tactics to see what's going to work we do know that some companies are considering moving production to other locations so um, if you have a a finished product that you were essentially just um, assembling in china and then shipping out to the united states and other markets and you could do that assembly and another country where there aren't similar tariffs, so Vietnam or Malaysia, some of that production, that assembling, we know is companies are beginning to move. The kind of illegal actions of branding it as something from a, you know, from a different country than China or shipping it to Mexico or Canada before getting into the U.S., those are the kinds of things that customs will be on the alert for to try to prevent as much of that transshipment as possible.
1: The administration has kind of sold this to U.S. agriculture as short-term pain for long-term gain. Uh, and, of course, the longer this goes, the, the harder it is to, to uh, trust in that. But uh, what are other segments of the economy, uh, how are they looking at this? Are they starting to feel the pain? Are they losing patience? Or are they behind the administration saying, yeah, we've got to get this finally addressed? What is the, what is the reaction across the economy?
4: Uh, right now, probably in addition to the agriculture sector, um, companies that are dependent upon either finished goods coming in from China or for inputs coming from China into products that they make in the U.S. are the ones that are feeling the most pain from it because the cost of inputs or the, those finished products have gone up by 25% um, for many, many categories. Today, the tariffs that went into place today are 10%. Um, It might seem minor, but when you look at that in terms of the broad variety of products that are covered, I think we're going to begin to see more companies um, wanting to see some action to resolve these issues. There are certainly some sectors that feel that this is – what they needed, um, you know, if you look back to the tariffs that were put on aluminum and steel, um, there are many steel companies who do feel that the 25% tariff is is righting the ship and and ensuring that they are now com- more competitive globally. But I would say. Across industry, we hear more from companies that have concerns about the tariffs and a desire to address the problems with China, but to do so in a manner that actually resolves those IP and tech transfer issues rather than having a strategy that um, is actually based on just maintaining high tariffs.
1: I wonder what the tipping point will be, for the country overall and I'm thinking we're heading into the holiday season and if consumers find prices higher or things that they would like not as available that could be a, a tipping point in the court of public opinion. Uh, are we getting close to that?
4: It's hard to say. Uh, you you probably have seen that the trade deficit numbers with China have just been through the roof in recent months. and. A fair amount of that has likely been companies trying to get ahead of what the new tariffs might be as they go into place. So we probably still have, um, in certain product categories, a little ways to go before the, the bite is going to start um, being felt by consumers. But I think it's probably not far off, and particularly if we get to January 1st and those $200 billion worth of products that have a 10% tariff now suddenly ratchets up to a 25% tariff, people are going to be seeing it and what they're paying out. There's going to be some residual effects as well. I mean, just because your Christmas lights aren't necessarily 10 percent more expensive, the cumulative effects of all of the other little things that you've been spending money on being 10 percent more expensive, um, even if it's over the course of several months, is going to ultimately have an impact, I think, on consumers' ability to be able to maximize what you know the most products they want to have for their family at the least amount of money.
1: All this may not be because of intellectual property, but we know a lot of it. That's kind of the root of a lot of these tensions and got us into this as we try to address that, which many acknowledge has been an ongoing issue for some time. Are we any closer to actually addressing that issue?
4: Well, the Chinese have made some progress on those issues over the years, but there's definitely more work that needs to be done. Um, What needs to be done to address the The Trump administration's concerns, I think, is among the things that the Chinese are looking for specific understanding of what the administration wants them to do before we could see full-on resolution. So that's among the reasons why getting the two governments to sit down in the same room and talk about an agenda of what the United States views success as on these issues and whether the Chinese are willing to make progress on those issues that's going to be what's necessary to genuinely see if any progress can be made.
1: So as we continue to watch this go back and forth, what part do you see the November elections playing in this? Do, does China feel that uh, they don't have to do anything don't have to give anything till they see how those turn out, or do those is that overstated?
4: I hear a lot of speculation about how the the, our, the U.S. elections are going to factor into this, and frankly, I've heard it in both directions, either that the Chinese or Going to be unwilling to do anything with the idea that the Republican Party might lose a lot of seats in Congress. I've also heard the flip side that the administration is unwilling to move because they feel that it is um, a strong selling point for them that they are being tough on China, and that to come to a resolution of these issues prior to the election would somehow suggest that they um, that they had lost leverage on those issues. I, I would say. I don't know whether either one of those is true. what I do know is that the Chinese have indicated they're ready to negotiate until we know what they are willing to offer. It seems unreal it seems unwise to say nothing that you are offering is ever going to meet my needs you know from from the u s china business Council standpoint we should at least hear what the Chinese are offering and make a determination if they have genuinely um, put some things on the table that would make a difference on those intellectual property rights and technology transfer issues, and then put some specific timelines on it of when they would have to be implemented for us to be able to see that genuine progress is being made.
1: So we wait for that to, to come about when they actually sit down and, and talk about some of those things. Meanwhile, the, uh, the tariffs uh, keep flying back and forth across the ocean. As always, Aaron, thank you for your perspective on this. We'll stay in touch uh, as we get more developments. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome, Mike. Take care, Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President for the U.S. China Business Council. So. Again, no talks, uh, at least that we know, have scheduled between uh, the U.S. and China. Meanwhile, more tariffs going into effect today on both sides. We're going to talk about that and also an update on NAFTA. Where are we with getting Canada back in the fold? We'll talk with Dave Salmanson with the American Farm Bureau Federation about that next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
0: Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens
5: to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth, as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Paraswabs swabs risk-free. Call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276, 866-504-0276. Do you need a car? been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy or divorce. Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce. It just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're auto credit express and we've helped thousands of people just like you.
0: copyright protection printing publicity and distribution so if you've written a novel children's book cookbook inspirational work poetry or a biography and want to get it published then you need to call page publishing and do it immediately call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem,
1: seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope.
0: No tomorrow. Not in a few years.
4: But right
6: now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day
1: and you can be part of this battle too visit standuptocancer.org to learn more
7: together we can save lives
0: information america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now back to mike adams
1: All right, we've talked about China. Where are we with NAFTA and getting Canada back into the fold? Let's talk with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, thanks for joining us. Uh, Have we had any breakthroughs at all, any glimmers of hope on a breakthrough with Canada?
6: Nothing we can see yet. They're uh, still talking, which is always a good sign on this, and at least the deadline for Canada joining in with uh, the U.S.-Mexico agreement And getting that uh, sent up to the Hill, to Congress, by the end of this month is fast approaching. Uh, So certainly the pressure is on to uh, try to get Canada to join in, uh, at least by the end of the week or at the very, very latest, early next week.
1: Well, we know that Trade Rep uh, Lighthizer will be in New York this week with the president, who said uh, he'll be speaking at the U.N. General Assembly Uh, Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau will be there and other high-ranking Canadian officials. Maybe a chance for a little get-together there, perhaps, for uh, something on trade?
6: Well, one would hope so. They're there. The president has lots of meetings, uh, scheduled meetings with leaders. You know, today he and the president of South Korea are scheduled this afternoon to sign the uh, chorus agreement, U.S.-Korea Free Trade Agreement modernization, um, so get that uh, get that taken care of. He also has scheduled meetings with the Prime Minister of Japan, Mr. Abe, and I'm sure they'll talk about the uh, ideas for hopefully the U.S. and Japan entering into real trade negotiations, something we're strongly in favor of. Or, as Secretary Purdue suggested again uh, last week, uh, maybe the U.S. Uh, taking another hard look at the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership and its new version of that and rejoining that. So. That's all under discussion, uh, that and I'm sure other issues while they're all in uh, New York for several days this week.
1: I do keep wondering if we wind up with something similar to what we would have had with TPP. They may call it something different or everyone will try to spin it differently, but somehow we wind up with something close to that.
6: Well, uh, the other 11 nations have gone forward and uh, did uh, rename it. It's the Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership now, so they lengthen the name. But essentially it's the same. Uh, if the U.S. wanted to rejoin. They would have to engage in some uh, negotiations to uh, get back in with the group. But I, I think everybody else would want, of course, the U.S. in it. And it's seen as a way to perhaps to uh, put some pressure, uh, economic uh, and regional pressure, on China. Uh, something this administration as we all know is very interested in so lots of issues uh, surrounding all that and uh, should be uh, interesting things perhaps coming out of New York this week
1: I was reading an article the other day that a lot of speculation about is the administration trying to shape foreign policy through trade policy I mean could be some much bigger uh, agendas at work and at play here
6: well, there certainly are, and of course, a lot of it is taking place in Asia between what's going on with North Korea, uh, relationships, of course, with China, and we all know about what's going on with the tariffs there, and the different kinds of pressure the administration is trying to put on a lot of Chinese policies, whether they're uh, economic, um, there's all the issues with the militarization uh, and what's going on in the South China Sea, and U.S. efforts to try and counter that, uh, relationships with Japan, so and future relate trade relationships with other countries in the region. I mean, I know the administration is thinking about potential future uh, talks with countries like the Philippines, Indonesia, uh Vietnam, some others. So, whether you some of the countries that were within the old uh, TPP and countries that weren't in it at all but uh, could be future candidates or countries the US could do uh bilateral deals with. So, as you said, a lot, a lot going on both on the trade front and in other uh, issue areas for the U.S. in uh, in Asia.
1: You know, with Canada, we're still hung up on the dairy issue. Uh, U.S. Uh, leaders are kind of saying this could be a deal breaker if they're not willing to, of course, change uh, their Class Seven uh, pricing system. Uh, Canada, one top Canadian official. Uh, has come out saying that there's been headway on that, there's been progress made, but says what needs to be resolved is the dispute resolution mechanism in NAFTA. So I don't know, how do you read the tea leaves here? Are are we making progress or not on, on dairy?
6: Well, I think they probably are making progress. They always say in trade negotiations, everybody has landing zones and you're looking for the place where they overlap. And these are the two hard issues left to the end, the dairy issues, which involve the class 7 pricing scheme and potential uh, some easing on their uh, import restrictions from their supply management uh, tariff program and the dispute resolution that refers to a chapter in nafta of panels that can oversee and potential and overturn a- individual country decisions on anti-dumping uh, measures so that's something the U.S. has put a lot of pressure on Canada on to try and change the dispute settlement uh, system there into what's called Chapter 19. Canada really wants to keep things the way they are there. And, of course, the U.S. is pressuring Canada on the dairy situation there. So this is where, um, whether this gets down to a classic trade-off of one for the other, uh, give some on one, get some on the other, or how this is going to work out. But these are the two issues that are uh, keeping these negotiations going right to the end.
1: So what are the deadlines we're dealing with on NAFTA?
6: Well, we have a uh, a deadline on our Trade Promotion Authority laws of September 30th. That is when, because the administration sent up the notice uh, August 31st, if they want to sign an agreement, uh, especially this U.S.-Mexico agreement that might include Canada, um, by November 30th they have to send the text up to Congress uh by September thirtieth. You have to be, have a text up to them sixty days before you can sign. Well, that is something they want to do because they want to have the outgoing Mexican president, Pietro Necho um, be the one to sign it. Now and the obviously he the Mexican president wants that. Probably his last one of his last official acts before leaving office. But if it slips, if for some reason that doesn't happen, um, Then it would be the new Mexican president, which there might be other issues with that. So they want to get it done, at least send up the text with Mexico. Could they add in Canada later? Could these deadlines, uh, you know, somehow be worked around? If it comes to that, that's something they'll have to look at. But for now, they're trying to get things done and have this, uh, it would be a lot neater if they could, and simpler, if they could have Canada involved uh, before September 30th and not uh, have people have to work around these deadlines.
1: Well, we continue to wait and see what happens. Uh, a lot of this keeps getting pushed further down the line, but at some point uh, we hit those deadlines and we need to get some, we'll n- they'll need to come up with some resolution. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Dave, as always, thanks yeah. for the update.
6: Well, thanks for having me.
1: Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. More on these issues and plus harvest and a lot more coming up tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.